Fearless. Chase. Bold. Following. Courageous. Search. I'm Aaron. And I'm Marshall. And this is Undaunted Pursuit. Yeah, so hey, you like his uh you like his headphones there? It's one of the kids' yeah, headphones. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember you wearing those. <laughs> I don't think he's getting these back. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Unpursuit Podcast. Um, we're just getting things started here. It's been a second since we've been on here. Uh we've we had to take a, a couple weeks off and um, or at least a week off, whatever. I can't remember when the last time we posted, which is probably a bad thing. But um, hey, we're, we've got a treat in store for everybody listening tonight, um, this week. You heard him before. Christian is on with Marshall and I. He, so we, Marshall, we've been doing um, Bible studies, uh, what, every week? Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I mean, we do them on Tuesdays. We have our men's on Tuesdays, and now we've added another one on Wednesdays at the church. So now, uh, and then how many do you do? And I do them daily, but. Well, no, myself. I'm talking about like corporate Bible studies, you know, like uh, get together, small groups and all that. Well, we did have a Monday, Monday family group. Then we had Tuesday men's group. Then we had Wednesday Bible study. Then we had Friday morning Bible study. <laughs> And then Sunday, obviously, but and we have our devotional every day, which is three different devotionals every morning. That's right. So here's the thing. He was a little sad that he didn't have anything planned for a Thursday night. So I was like, okay, why don't you just uh, join us for Thursday's podcast? Yeah. It's, uh, well, we're going through Luke. So here, Christian is here and uh, you guys have never met. So this is a kind of a bittersweet kind of a thing to... Uh, Marshall and uh, Christian to me. So, um, but that's enough about us. Now, hi, Daddy. This is a nice office. Thanks, buddy. Heck yeah! Make sure you turn the handle and give the door a tug closed. There you go. Okay. Well, hey, you know, like we added to the mix another four kids tonight, so they're getting ready to go to VBS. But. Um, and, uh, and the ladies were getting stuff from the store. So uh, anyway, all right. So enough about us, Marshall. I understand that you have a praise report. And like, this is like, this is monumental, something worth celebrating. And for it to happen in the year of Jubilee, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, so... So there's a little backstory. My, my wife and I have been married for um, six years now, uh, together for nine. And um, I, I've always wanted kids. My, my wife has always wanted kids, but uh, the the timing just wasn't right uh, for, for quite some time, uh, which was a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, uh, you know, I just, I've wanted kids for as long as I could remember. Um you know, I, I don't know if all men are that way. I, you know, I feel like oftentimes you hear a lot of women are like, oh, I want kids. I want kids. But, you know, I just I've always had this yearning and this passion in my heart to have children and uh, just to be able to share life with them and um, just explore life with them and raise them up 
in, in, in God's word and doing the best that I can and having the opportunity to do that. So um, let's see, just over seven weeks ago, my wife and I found out that we are pregnant with our first child. So uh, it's a very exciting time um, in our lives right Thank now. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're, we're definitely looking forward to that, uh, to see what God's going to do. And um, we're just we're just jumping in head first. And uh, we're, I don't know, we're, we're super excited. Maybe a little bit nervous, but, you know, uh, first-time parents. I, I've, I've seen all my friends um, and some <laughs> younger siblings, uh, you know, have kids. And I've experienced that and kind of lived vicariously through them. Um, so I've always been around younger children. Um, have younger siblings and stuff too. So um, I have a little bit of an idea, um, but I know it's completely different once they're your actual own children. So with that being said, we are super excited. So yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on in our life. Well, heck yeah. I know I've already told you congratulations and Christian's told you congratulations and uh, we're excited for you. Um, but publicly, congratulations. Congratulations. That's, yeah. That's awesome. You. Yeah, thank you. Guys. So, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, anything new? Do what? Anything other than that? Anything new? Anything? What you got going on, Christian? Nothing. I, I was just thinking with Marshall um, that I don't know. Just something about being a father. I think that I love the most, as far as my with the Lord, is um, so many uh, of. The relationships I see with God the Father and me have been illustrated by having my own kids, right? So it's like, like without your yeah. own children that you love unconditionally, it's kind of hard to put things into that kind of perspective. But um, as you have your first yeah. child and oh, yeah. you kind of experience those things with them, it's like, man, now I see what God had to deal with with me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. <clears throat> <laughs> I had to I, I forgot okay so I forgot that with this there there is a lag between right. us and him yeah, yeah. and uh, so this is a little different trying to do three at a time it's gonna be a little it's gonna be a little different tonight yeah heck I'm excited uh, I'll pretend like he's like one of those CNN readers on TV like where they just kind of give him a couple <laughs> seconds to answer yeah how's <laughs> <Right. laughs> the hurricane over there marshall <laughs> hey, thank you for getting crazy over here, guys. can you hear me <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot okay so yeah i mentioned marshall i i don't think you knew this but you need to do some research into it because um we woke up one morning uh christian and i singing this days of elijah and the only thing we could remember was that it's the year of jubilee and so we got to looking at it, and uh, you know, Christian, believe I was looking at it, actually starts this year and runs into next year because of the Jewish calendar. Uh, it'll be coincidentally what we were talking about last night. Um, Rosh or Yom Kippur. Either way, anyway, it um, it actually starts this October, but. Uh, Jubilee doesn't start until March of 2024 is what I was reading. Let me oh. look it up real quick. Hold on. Um, which it's interesting that uh, we would read that it would um, start this year. Let's let me look this up here real quick. Well, I found that on the so internet. So Yom, that goes. 
Yom Kippur starts the 25th of September. Oh, I, I, man, I've been looking up so much because we got to last night we were talking about uh, the Feast of Trumpets and we've been talking about this year of Jubilee for quite a while. Oh, here it is. Um, compelling archaeological and prophetic evidence suggests that the ram's horn uh, announcing the 70th year of Jubilee will sound the Day of Atonement in October 2023. In this article, you will learn why the next Jubilee starts in uh, 2024. So it's very confusing. Hmm. But so it's going to be announced during the Day of Atonement this year that we're going into the year of Jubilee. Hmm. It's interesting. I'm going to keep rocking it. Hey, I'm already celebrating. It's a year of Jubilee. It's like when you put up your Christmas decorations in November, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Unless you're Hobby Lobby or something like that. They've already got them up, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. I took my kids through some store, and I think that was right after the 4th of July, and they had Halloween decorations out. They're like, what? (laughs) Already? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I know. All right. Well, hey, Marshall, you're falling behind on your devotionals, by the way. That thing ended. That th- one of them ended. I thought I only had one that I was a part of now. I didn't see a second one. Oh. Maybe I got rid of one. Yeah. I, Did you get I it done? I just got the manifesting, the word of God. I got, I got two days I'm behind okay. on. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, but shame on one, you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't judge me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. Well, heck yeah, we're getting into uh, Luke chapter twenty tonight. We're going to try and make this not quite as long, but uh, um, yeah. So Luke chapter twenty, it's getting really good. Did you did you have a chance to get it into is. it and get read it? And I did. I uh, I listened to it twice today, and I started reading it when I got home. I didn't get all the way through it, but I started reading it when I got home. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So we'll just jump right into it here. Um, and then what we're going to see here is uh, Jesus is going to be talking. He, he's instructing the people in the temple area, and he's preaching the good news. And, of course, as always, as we're seeing here, the chief priests and the scribes, along with the elders, confronted him. And here they are again. But he, we, we know from the last chapter that he's, he's now in Jerusalem. So now they're doubling down on trying to get Jesus trapped so that he ultimately will go to the cross. But so um, I love this little interaction between the Pharisees and, and the scribes. And I brought it up to you the other night, Christian, that uh, but here we go. Verse two. Let's see. Because these guys are asking him, what kind of authority are you doing these things? Or who is the one who gave you this authority? So, of course, they still don't, you know, um, how dare you say these things? And who who do you think you are given this, uh, given this authority? Yeah. I mean, just the scripture before, I mean, that's when he went into the temple and started going crazy and tossing tables and everything like yeah so he probably finally kind of pushed them past their limit you know what i mean like besides them seeing him do these miracles it's like okay now he's coming in and causing a ruckus in our temple right yeah so i think that's why they're really going after him and what does it say here in verse one on one of the days so it could have been after it was obviously after of course you know but Mm -hmm. yeah 
But you're right, Christian. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> he's he's like uh, so. His response, Jesus's response, is is so. It's because this is not the first time he's done this. But his response, he's like, I'm also going to ask you a question. And so he's like, you tell me, this baptism of John the Baptist, was it from heaven? And it says in the Amplified here that it is uh, that is ordained by God or from men. It's an impossible question for these Pharisees to answer and these scribes to answer yeah. because they're going to, you're going to see in verses five through um, five and six that like, man, if they answered it one way, if it was from heaven, then why don't you believe Jesus? But if it was from man, then they're going to get stoned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's typical Jesus, right? He's he's for one answering a question with an answer instead of. I mean, he's I said that wrong. He's answering a question with a question is what I meant to say. Um, and you know, of course, he's teaching them a lesson as he usually does. As, as we've seen all throughout Luke up to this point, we've seen mm-hmm. Jesus time and time again, teach, you know, these Pharisees and stuff, multiple lessons. Uh, and like I said, he's always, you know, doing his, his famous, you ask me a question and I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer you with a question, which I love. I, I just love how Jesus teaches in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like the fact that if you read, <clears throat> going back to the verse one, He's instructing the people in the temple area and preaching the good news. And they're like coming there not to sit and listen to him. Right. right? But they interrupt him to try to like make a fool of him in front of the people that are listening to him. Yeah. And in, in Marshall and I have talked about this all throughout Luke is that these guys show up out of nowhere and just go to hounding him. Right. Every chance they get. And we're going to get to that. In uh, later on in the chat, towards the end of the chapter, we're gonna he's gonna turn to him and be like, "Watch out for these guys," <laughs> you know. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna put them on the spot too, because you know that's what they're doing every time he has a interaction with these guys. Um, yeah, they're just not just weren't good people. We think about it like uh, church no. these days, right? Like, what if we were as Christians, some new prophet came, right? And I'm just trying to make it like t- a today's reference. Sure. And they were teaching, he was teaching us something contrary to the Bible, right? That we knew. Mm-hmm. And like, we saw him performing miracles and stuff, you know, like obviously it, it can't be the same comparison as Jesus, but then like pastors coming out and just like hounding the guy, you know? And like, we could see that there was something special about him, mm-hmm. you know, but the fact that all the le- the leaders, like the ones that are supposed to be the most spiritual, you know, those are the ones coming after him. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. weird to me that it's like, how did they not recognize him as being the Messiah? Well, and that's why that's why Jesus rode them so hard because they should have. Right. They were the ones that grew yeah. up f- from a young age learning the Torah and uh, seeing, being taught all of what to look for in the Messiah. And then here Jesus is, yeah. and of course. The the people, the simple people of the day, uh, wouldn't know any different because some most of them didn't grow up with religious teaching of any sort. So um, he kind of does give them a pass, but he's going to ride these Pharisees hard because that's they should have grown up, they should have known what it was instead of they were uh, turns out being that they were uh, self centered 
and, and more worried about what people thought of them and the, the greetings that they got when they walked into the place rather than what they actually learned out of scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get ahead of there us, with us, but, you know, like, <laughs> kind of thinking of, you know, like a little bit further in the chapter, he's, he's talking about the Pharisees, but it's just, kind of, it's odd to me that all throughout the Bible, these prophets have come to the Hebrews, to the Jews, the Israelis, and try to proclaim God's word. Mm-hmm. And every one of them gets this kind of a treatment, you know. And it's like, well, what what's going on there? Like, did God harden the hearts of the people, or they were they really just that clueless? You know, like, were they that stiff necked? Where they're like, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to listen to this guy. Um, I was listening to Kings twenty two, where um, Samuel, I think, was being uh, the prophet at the time mm-hmm. and the Israelites were asking for a king and God told him, he's like, I'll give you a king if you want a king, but in like a short time, you're going to be begging me to save you from him. All right. We don't care. Give him to us anyway. Yeah. You no, know, it's like, I don't know. It, it kind of makes me wonder about like the Pharisees, <laughs> like did God intentionally harden their hearts all through the entire Bible. To, and it's like all the way to revelation. Yeah. They don't recognize him as being the Messiah. It kind of confuses me a little, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing is, I heard that today in a sermon. The same thing about Samuel and the uh, the Israelites and wanting a king. And Marshall, a little off topic here. Um, we're camping out here lately in the Old Testament, and it has been great. <clears throat> yeah. That, that there is so That's much awesome. there's so much to learn out of the old testament it's it's been amazing you know what i previously right. always thought about being a history lesson is uh, so much more than that right yeah there's a lot of meat in there <clears throat> a lot to be learned from the old testament yeah yeah <laughs> okay so uh where did we leave off here they said uh okay so they couldn't come up with an answer, so they replies back. They reply back to Jesus, saying that uh, uh, they don't know where it came from. Where is th- uh, the baptism of John the Baptist? Where it came from? And uh, this is—I I love this part. Jesus says to him, "Well, I'm not uh, going to tell you by what kind of authority I need. I do these things. I don't need to answer you. <laughs> you know, he's God in the flesh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love." It's like, okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. Now, there yeah, was a, yeah. a scene in The Chosen that I loved where he was reading the, um, the scripture for out of Isaiah, you know, like where he's talking about the Messiah coming. Mm-hmm. And he says, today I fulfilled that scripture. And he kind of rolls it up, you know, midway, and they're all getting all angry, and the, you know, the priest is getting all mad with them. And they decide, like, we're going to go take him out and stone him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but... This is the law of Moses. And Jesus replies, I am the law of Moses. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, the whole law is describing me and my personality. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. He's got, he, there's so many mic drop moments when it comes to Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You fools. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the parable of the vineyard owner, in start, in verse 9 starts off there. Um we were kind of talking about it in the different uh, Christian and I before coming on tonight. 
we were talking about the if this is some there's a couple he uses vineyards and vineyard owners a lot in his parables i guess is that correct cuz i marshall i don't yeah i don't know if this is the this is not the first time that we've read about a vineyard owner right no not at all i get, I, I remember at least once or twice we've read about it before where he's used a parable of, of a vineyard owner or something along those lines. Okay. All right. So he, there's, there's this guy uh, kind of running through this parable. There's a guy who plants a vineyard and he leases it to farmers. And uh, so that, and then he goes on a journey for a long time to another country. And then at harvest time, he sends a servant as a representative so what we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of parallels to um, God's kingdom and yep. uh, the representatives. We're going to see our, our prophets, obviously. And then so he sends this representative to the tenants so they would give him his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat the servant, sent him away empty handed. So, he, so this, this guy sends another servant. They beat him and uh, turn him away. And he sends another one. Uh, he sends a third one, and they wounded him and threw him out of the vineyard. So that you see that throughout. Like you know, I said that we've been digging into the Old Testament and the old time, the old prophets. What yeah. you got? Well, that's a good. So uh, the, the mark here is Isaiah five one through seven, uh, and I'll read it real quick. It just says, "Let me, as God's representative, sing of and for my greatly beloved." a tender song of my beloved concerning his vineyard, his chosen people. Uh, my greatly beloved had a vineyard on a very fruitful hill, and he dug and trenched the ground and gathered out the stones from it and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and hewed it with a wine press in it. He looked for it to bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard, my people, says the Lord. What more could I have been done for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to bring forth grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I'll tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be eaten and burned up. And I will break down its wall, and it shall be trotted down by enemies. Hmm. So he's, oh, I goes through seven. And I will lay waste, I will lay it to waste. It shall not be pruned or cultivated but there shall come by briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they will not rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant planting, uh, the plant of his delight. And he looked for justice, but behold, he saw oppression and bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, for uprightness and right standing with God, but behold, he heard a cry of oppression and distress. So, and he's talking to, I mean, this whole parable is directed at the Pharisees, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, I mean, those guys memorize scripture. Yeah. So as soon as he starts talking about this parable and kind of going through that beginning phrase, they're probably already knowing what he's referencing or they can, they can liken it to, you know, that scripture in Isaiah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Cause they should have known. But as you were reading that, in Marshall, this brought up the, uh, made me think of Elijah and his, because we're talking about this, here these prophets are, and they keep beating them or killing them. And, you know, what you remember when Elijah went and hid in the cave from Jezebel, and uh, mm -hmm. God comes to him and says, why are you here? 
And he's like, uh, he said, I have been very zealous and passionate for the Lord God of hosts, proclaiming what is rightfully and uniquely uh, uniquely his. For the sons of Israel have abandoned, uh, broken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left, and they seek to take away my life. Just kind of that really quick thing that kind of is like, oh, man, you know, this is one example out of the Old Testament where uh, – He's pointing out the fact that here's all these prophets that were sent to tell the Israelites or to tell spread the good news, and they killed them all. Right, and now he's the only one left. So that's essentially what this parable is talking about. Because he's again, Marshall, like what we've been talking about. Uh, he's trying to give them a glimpse at to what his job on in the flesh is why he came. And when we get to the end of this, you know, the, the vineyard owner is going to be, well, what, what am I going to do? Am I, uh, I may, I, all I have left to do is send my son, which who does that sound like? You know, God had to send his son because nothing else was working. So now Jesus comes in the flesh for, to save us from all of our sins. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, no, I'm, I was going to read through my little snippet like I do at the end, but it just kind of recaps everything. So once we get to the end of this, I'll I'll go through that. Okay. What you were just saying reminded me of what we were talking about last night with Lazarus, right? <laughs> Down in um, Sheol. Mm-hmm. And he was pleading to let uh, Father Abraham release him so we could go and warn his brothers, right? And, and his answer was... Um, no father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes in, goes to them, they will repent. They will change their old ways of thinking and seek God in his righteousness. And he said to him, if they do not listen to the messages of Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded. Even if someone rises from the dead. Yeah, there you go. So it's like, if they're not listening to to Moses, they won't listen to the prophets. It's like even zombie Lazarus, he's not going (laughs) to convince anyone to to repent and change their ways. Exactly. See here, so he throws the they threw the son out in the vineyard, killed him. And what then will the owner of the vineyard uh, do to them? Something's got to be done, you know. So he he is the owner was gonna he will come and put these tenants to death, and will give the vineyard to others. When the chief priests and scribes and the elders heard this, they said, "May it never be." I'm gonna stop right there because what he's saying here is he will come and put these tenants to death, and will give the vineyard to others. Um, we're talking we're. He teaches. He's he's constantly been teaching throughout his whole ministry here about grafting those Gentiles in. Correct me if I'm wrong, boys. Um, that this part in the parable is talking about that grafting process of the Gentiles. Is that what you're getting out of it? Maybe. Yeah. That's kind of what I got out of it. I don't know. Well, and the very stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Um and everyone who falls on that stone will be broken and shattered in pieces and on whomever, whomever it falls, it will crush him. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like you were saying earlier, a lot of the parables have to do with grapes and vineyards. And it's mm-hmm. like, he uses that to tell us like, stay grafted in, you know, to, to stay plugged into the vine. Right. Otherwise we'll dry up and die, you know, and if, or the trees in the vineyard that if they don't produce fruit, they're cut down and thrown in the fire, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I wanted to get. I want to dig into that a little bit. What do you got, Marshall? Now, so I was going to read to kind of <clears throat> brings all that together. So, 
29 through 16, essentially what's saying there is the, the characters in the story, and like we've kind of already gone, gone, gone over all this, but it says the characters in the story are easily identified. Even the religious leaders understood it. The owner of the vineyard is God. The vineyard is Israel. And the tenants are the religious leaders. The servants are the prophets and priests God sent to Israel. The son is the Messiah, Jesus, and the others are the Gentiles. Jesus' parable indirectly answered the religious leaders their question about his authority. It also showed them that he knew about their plan to kill him. So I just like how that just really sums everything up into a nutshell. Oh, yeah, no, I and that's stuff that I wasn't uh, necessarily taking out of it uh, right off the bat. You know, I, I get the gist of it, you know. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, to put that together, that makes a whole lot of sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into this though. Um, of course, we know that he's the cornerstone, and he's the chief cornerstone that Jesus is. And then, but in verse eighteen here, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken and shattered in pieces, and whomever and whomever it falls on, it will crush them. Do, do any of you guys know kind of what that? What he's getting at there. Reference here, Isaiah 8, 14 and 15, right? And that says, uh, and he shall be a sanctuary, a sacred, indestructible asylum to those who reverently fear and trust in him. But he shall be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many among them shall stumble thereon and they shall fall and be broken and be snared and taken. Um, the other one is Daniel 2, 34 and 35. But this stone was cut out with human hands, which smote the image on it, on its feet of iron and baked clay of the potter and broke them to pieces. Then the iron, the baked clay of the potter, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken and crushed together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain or rock and filled the whole earth. Hmm. I don't know that I really understand that <laughs> I one. Well, I know like the um, that big statue was supposed to symbolize, um, and we talked about this a little bit last night in Bible study. Uh, the statue from Daniel was like all the different kingdoms. Oh, um, yeah. Um, let me see if I can find that. And of course, forgive me because I'm not, I was looking up something else. What, what did you find, Marshall? So I'll read my explanation at the bottom. Now, Christian, you've probably heard, if you listen to podcasts, I do this a lot, but this really explains the scripture really well, and it breaks it down. It kind of puts it in layman's terms for people like myself who need that kind of explanation. But <clears throat> the explanation it gives here is, it says, quoting Psalm 118.22, which is what Jesus is doing here, Jesus showed the unbelieving leaders that even their rejection of the Messiah had been prophesied in scripture, ignoring the capstone or cornerstone, was dangerous. A person could be tripped or crushed, which is being judged or punished. And Jesus's comments were veiled, but the religious leaders had no trouble interpreting them. They immediately wanted to arrest him because of it. Mm. Mm. I found just doing what you were doing, Marshall, was uh, everyone who falls on that stone, Jesus is the stone. Anyone who goes against the stone will be destroyed. Jesus' statement is similar to the late Jewish proverb, if the stone falls on the pot, alas for the pot. If the pot falls on the stone, alas alas for the pot. The imagery for the stone is also found in 1 Peter 2, uh, 4 through 8, which is what I was uh, looking up while 
Christian was talking. And it says, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse uh, 4 through 8 is, uh, Come to him, the risen Lord, as to a living stone, which men rejected and threw away, uh, but which is choice and precious in the sight of God. You, believers, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated mm-hmm. priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. For then it's contained in scripture, and you read Isaiah 28, yeah, verse 16. I won't repeat that again. And then it goes down in verse 7 here. This precious value then is for you who believe in him as God's only son, the source of salvation. But for those who disbelieve, um, he, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The very stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's where verse 8 leaves off. Oh, and for they stumble because they disobey the word of God. And to this, they uh, who reject him as Savior were also appointed. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it talks in here, uh, the very stone that the builders rejected. The passage was taken from Psalm 118, 22, like Marshall mentioned. Uh, pictures the exaltation of the righteous one, Jesus, after his rejection. Opposition will not stop God from making the one who is rejected the center of his work of salvation. So you think of like the Jews rejected Jesus, mm-hmm. tossed him out, but what he came to bring was salvation, right? So salvation is the cornerstone of our faith. Right. You know, like if Jesus never came and died for us and was resurrected, we wouldn't be here. Like Christians wouldn't exist, you know, like, yeah. So it's like, and it kind of makes me think of Peter too, right? Like where, when Peter confessed him as you are the Lord, the Messiah, the, you know, the, the son of God. Mm-hmm. And he says, this is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Right. Right. And it, I think, you know, like, yeah, Peter is called the rock, but that revelation that Jesus was the Messiah was only given by God. Jesus said, you know, like, Man just doesn't come up with that on his own. God kind of gives you that belief initially or that calling to believe. So it's like that recognition of Jesus being the Messiah is kind of part of that salvation and the church being built. And then we see in Acts uh, 2 or 3 when Peter receives the Holy Spirit and goes on that long, beautiful sermon. Right. And 3,000 are saved that day. Like that's the beginning of the church. But yeah, so it was more metaphorical. As far as like, Peter wasn't necessarily the rock on which it would be built, but the foundation of believing in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is the rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's like we say with a lot of Christian denominations, you know, like when someone says, well, what do you think of Catholics or Protestants? And I'm like, well, if they believe in Jesus crucified, we're okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's the cornerstone of faith, you know. Like, right. You believe in Jesus as the Messiah. He died and was resurrected, and he did that for our sins. The like, rest is theology. all sinful, nar- sinful nature. Whatever we get wrong, they get wrong. Whoever that, whatever that looks like, you know. Yeah. So I want to read this. And again, it's another one of my explanations that I have here, but it's talk specifically on uh, chapter 20, verse 18. It says the word broken conjures up uniformly negative images like broken bones, hearts, toys. You don't want something you value to be broken. Conversely, in God's dictionary, brokenness is not only good, but also essential. He uses only people whose hearts, volition and pride have been broken. 
Jesus gives a double warning. Those who stumble over the stone, which is himself, will be broken to pieces. While it will crush anyone it falls on, God offers a choice of brokenness. Those who cast themselves on Jesus, submitting their wills and all they are to him, will be broken by him of arrogance, hard-heartedness, and self-centeredness. It is not a pleasant process, but an absolutely necessary one. I really like that because it's just saying like, it's almost like we have to go through that process um, to be who he's mm-hmm. called us to be or who he wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that really kind of makes me think of that, um, you know, that saying that God's not going to give you more than what you can handle. Well, yeah, sure. He is. You oh, yeah. know? That's the biggest. He's going to put you through said. trials. He's going to put you through tests. It, right. You're going to you're going <laughs> to experience troubles in this lifetime because it builds faith. But be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Exactly. That's what you find your ultimate joy in is the fact that he's all those hard times. He's right there by your side or you know, he's going to carry I've, you through it. That's something I've caught myself saying a couple of times to my wife recently, because during this pregnancy process, um, you know, we've had a few scares along the way in these past uh, several weeks. And, um, you know, my wife and I both, this, this, is, this process has really been testing our faith and strengthening our faith uh, mm-hmm. because through this process, you have no other choice but to rely on God and God alone because he's the creator of everything. And knowing that he's the creator of everything and knowing that there's only so much you can do here on earth, you have to rely on him to do everything. And, um, I, it's 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 just amazing, you know, going through this and seeing that. But I've you know I've been I've been you know I've caught myself tell my wife you know like, like be of good cheer because God has overcome the world because it's like we we question ourselves like is this this going to be okay is that going to be okay is this going to you know and we're just like I have to remind myself and her like hey don't worry about it you know if it, God's overcome right. all these things God has experienced all these things at some point in time so it's just it's really neat for sure. What you got? You're digging deep, aren't you? Yeah, I was trying to remember because just the the term crush <laughs> kind of reminded me. Um, as speaking of Jesus, Isaiah, Isaiah says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Hmm. And that was God talking about Jesus. You know, and like the when he was crucified and God, like remember Jesus was in the, the garden Right, sweating blood because he knew. Uh, I don't think he was afraid of being crucified or afraid of you know the ridicule, mm-hmm. all that stuff he can handle. I mean, the guy was a stud, right? But what I think he was fearing, and I, I think I've heard a sermon on this too, was that drinking that cup that he was asking God to pass from him. Yeah, was that wrath and like God's fury? Like if you imagine like being so ticked off and like you just punch a hole in the wall right yeah or like you go to a punching bag and just let it have it it's like you just want to blow off that steam it's like all that fury from that sin he poured out on jesus mm-hmm. you know like and it was his pleasure just to finally and just get it out yeah you know and it's like it just stinks you know like i, I think because we know we know that fear is not of god right right Spirit, the spirit of fear is not is not godly. So he wasn't necessarily scared, but he was. He didn't want it. He didn't want it. He yeah. knew that at for a for a brief moment he was going to be completely separated from the Lord. 
you know, from God, the Father. And so that is probably what anguished him yeah. so much. Well, he didn't deserve it either. You know, like, right. It's not like he sinned and like he deserved that punishment, you know? And it's like, I, I think of like my son, if he knew like daddy's coming home from work, boy, you're going to get it. You know what I mean? And it's like for something he didn't even do, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's like, man, it's going to suck. You know, he's going to pull out the belt or get the spatula or whatever and, and let me have it. And it's like, he doesn't deserve it. You know, he was innocent yeah. of that. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember that word crush. And like, I remembered that scripture and kind of stood out to me, but that same kind of punishment, I guess we're going to have, if we reject Christ and his salvation, we're going to be crushed. You mm. know, it's different kind of crush, you know, yeah, right. But I don't know what you got. Anything? I'm good. I'm ready to move on. Moving That's on. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So, uh, Verse nineteen. So these guys, these chief priests and the and the scribes, they're they're trying to find a way to arrest him. At this point, they understood exactly what he was saying, and it made him angry. <laughs> and, and because he spoke, he, it says in verse nineteen here uh, that he spoke this parable against them. So they watched for a chance to trap him, and they sent these people that acted like. Um, they they acted good. You're going to see that nowadays too. People that, um, you know, they even say that the devil can appear as an angel of light. And um, so these these people that these scribes and Pharisees were sending in, they they looked upright and sincere, mm-hmm. so that they could catch him. They Besides. ask him, uh, yeah. <laughs> Teacher, we know you speak and teach correctly that you show no partiality to anyone, but uh, teach the way of God truthfully. And then, uh, so he already knows, that, you know, flattery right off the bat doesn't suggest anything uh, that you have ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, is it is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And so he sees through their trickery and he says, uh, he's like, hey, show me. <laughs> Sorry. He's like, hey, show me that coin there. He's like, whose face is on that coin? And they're like, uh, Caesar's? He's like, okay, yeah. I mean, because what does he have? You know, he's not going to say, money doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. None of it matters. None of what we have matters. <laughs> and so, of course, he's like, that's Caesar's face on it. Pay to Caesar what's Caesar's. Mm-hmm. This scripture really stands out to me because I remember back when I was working out at Capernaum, where we did those live productions. Mm-hmm. We we there was a point in the production where we acted out this scene, and the the guy who was playing Jesus, he walked into the village and everybody gathered around, and the Pharisees and stuff were there, and you know th- this whole this whole scripture right here was acted out. So that you know this scripture I can just picture in my mind very vaguely because I've seen it acted out time and time again for several years. So it's just really cool reading this and then remembering that acted out in real life. It's just kind of, it's almost like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, I can visualize it too. Cause it's like, okay, all right. I see where you're coming from here. And just give me that, give me that coin, you know, just real like nonchalant and yeah. like, Hey, you know, don't worry about this money. This money doesn't have anything. We're going to see um, just how much, um, this like worldly stuff it, closer to the end of this chapter does not matter. 
right. you know, because we're going to see that in the, um, uh, in marriage as well, where it's like the, you know, what happens here on earth, there's a totally different definition of life in heaven. Yeah. So, well, I think of just the fact that, you know, the Romans were an occupying force, right? Mm -hmm. So the Jews were being oppressed by the Romans and this was an additional tax, you know, like this was a occupying force taxing them just to, to live. Yeah. You know, and it's like um, what we saw when he came in on Palm Sunday, um, you know, he's already at this point made the triumphal entry. Yeah. And, yeah. and announced, I, you know, like everyone knows, or at least a lot of people know he claims to be the Messiah. Right. And that triumphal entry is like, they think he's coming to liberate them. You know, like the scriptures of the past basically say he's going to make this army, you know, like he's going to, so they're thinking he's coming into Jerusalem to defeat the Romans and cast them out. Mm -hmm. So this is a supercharged question, you know, cause it's like, yeah. Who, are, are you loyal to Rome or are you loyal to us? You know? And, yeah. And then it, it was just a, it was a trick to try and get, to get an uprising right. going, you know, to, Oh, he's the leader of it, you know, kill him, you know, just looking for a chance to kill him. And, um, well, how, they, they knew he can, they can outsmart him as the Pharisees, but if he could go against Rome, then maybe the Romans would come take care of him for him. Right. Know? Right. And it was, how often do we see that this, um, this kind of trap in today's society too? How often do you see that somebody is just trying to get a rise out of you so that you'll sin or that you'll, uh, that's exactly what these guys are doing. You see that all the time these days. Well, if you look at America today, you know, if you don't side on one side, then you're a homophobe. Or yeah. if you don't side on one side, then you're racist. You know, it's like, it's a very black and white, you know, division. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you can't, you can't, if you say anything wrong, then you're going to be deemed this, you know? And it's right. like, well, in the words of Pastor Landon with Mercy Calls Your Church, I listened to that uh, sermon today. He, uh, he's like, when did the truth, what was it? When did the truth become hate speech? Mm -hmm. Is that what it was? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall, you need to listen to Mercy Culture, by the way. But uh, yeah, he's like, he was, he was going to town and he's going through the um, armor of God and it was the, the belt of truth. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah. he's like, when did, when did telling the truth become hate speech or uh, become uh, discriminatory or some, something right. around those lines, you know? Well, you think about it. I mean, that's a huge black mark on anyone. I mean, they blacklist you for that stuff. And then it's like, you get canceled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't know this, this day and age, the, the way things are, I, I guess I really don't care. You know, I, I, uh, when it comes to yeah. walking on eggshells and walking on, I, I, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way at work. I mean, I've, I've gotten in trouble for being very honest for being too blunt. Um, and in and, and ways I was wrong given the situation I was in, but the same token, I was like, I'm going to speak truth regardless of what it is, uh, whether it's about God or whether it's about just something going on in the workplace or whatever. And it's very hard for people to accept the truth and hear the truth because if, if in, in this situation mm -hmm. that we're talking about, if, you know, God's truth, if that's not that person's truth, they don't want to hear it. Right. They don't believe it. They don't want to yeah. hear it. They want nothing to do with it. 
And I'm like, well, that's fine, but I'm still going to say what I have to say, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, bye. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I just have very yeah. little patience or care for that kind of stuff, but that's just me. And that's just kind of my attitude towards that. I just, I don't know the way the world is these days. I'm just like, ah, he just, ah, you know, I just wants it just really gets me going sometimes. Well, and you're doing the biblical thing because even God's word tells us to, to be honest with the brother. And you, you look at it this way. Everybody is our brother and sister. They're all made in God's image. So why not? You know, it's hard to be honest sometimes. <laughs> you know? Right. But <laughs> the, the kind of honesty that needs to be. But um, yeah, you know. Well, especially for us that work, like I work for a pretty big company. And the company is very proud of the fact that they're diverse, you know, and like they jumped on that bandwagon <laughs> back, you know, what, 2020 or whatever that was. <laughs> they now have a diversity and inclusion manager or what, you know, yeah. it's kind of a made up job if you ask me. Um, <laughs> but it's like I have to sit through these meetings where they're celebrating what I think is sinful. Right. And I, I have to just keep my mouth shut. You know, like I can't, they can say something that offends me, but I can't return and say something that might offend mm -hmm. them. You know, so it's kind of what we're seeing in America these days. And honestly, it I, I'm cheering for it because I know where it's going to lead because I read this book, but it's going to lead to Christian persecution. Yeah. You know, it's like eventually it's not going to be enough to keep your mouth shut. You know, that they've somehow drawn a line and said, if you're a Christian and you believe that, then you're, you're it's, it's hateful. Yeah. You know, like you don't agree that you know people can be gay and it's like no that's, that's not what the Bible says it's like if you're if you're gay then fine the homosexual sex is a sin yeah you know just like sex outside of marriage at all is a sin yeah so it's it's not being gay that's the sin it's the homosexual sex or the sex out of marriage they're mm -hmm. both the same thing to god and yeah. sexual immorality yeah i mean but, i i completely I understand know, that because working for a large corporation like, like like you do, Christian, it's the exact same way where I'm at. You know, they're all about inclusion and they're all about fairness and including everybody and all different, you know, races and ethnicities and sexes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's great and all. If that's what you want to do, like yourself, Christian, I don't agree with it. Biblically, we know it's wrong. And uh, it's, you know, I, I said this at work one day. I said, it's very interesting how the company I work for, they – will post stuff about gay pride and, and all this different stuff, right? Like they're so wonderfully proud about it, but not once, not once have I ever seen the company say anything about God or Christ or Christianity mm -hmm. and, and show right. pride for that. And, and it's just like exactly. the day is going to come, the day is going to come and it, it, it may cost me my job. And if so, so be it that enough's <laughs> going to be enough. And something's going to have to be said, right? And, that, and, that, and I tell everybody that, but a lot of people that I work with, with a lot of different aspects of my job, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people who get away with a lot of things. And I always tell them, if I had the opportunity to be in those positions and those situations, something's going to have to be said at some point in time. And it could cost me my job, but that's okay. Because this wouldn't be the first time I've been fired from a job. I've been fired once from a job. And surprisingly enough, it was from a ministry of all things. And no, yep, yeah. losing lo lo losing a job doesn't really scare me because I know God has a plan for my life. And I remember that day when I got fired from that job, I, I as I was walking out the door, <laughs> I looked at the people who led that ministry and I said, 
I'm not worried about it because I know that God has a plan for me and he's going to provide me a new job. And the next day I had a new job. So, you know, it's like, nice. I, I just, you know, it's like at some point in time, the, the truth is going to have to be spoken everywhere in, in all aspects of our lives. And mm. could it cost us our jobs? Could it cost us our lives? Absolutely. But we know that that's going to happen at some point in time, right? Like this just, it's inevitable. It's biblical. It's going to have to happen. So get ready. You know, it's just going to happen. We're going to have to be bold. Yep. It's part of it. Anyway, sorry, I got on a yep. rant. <laughs> well, and no, no, no. And I'm about to continue that rant too, because, uh, you know, I've heard it. I heard it today. I've heard it in the past. And maybe I've made that this comment on here before, but, uh, and I even am guilty of making it personally that it's like, oh, I don't want to come off too preachy. Well, the world is being preachy. They're being preachy. They're preaching and uh, spewing out the, you know, the gay pride and the Black Lives Matter and all that. And it's like, if we're not, and we're being, we're not supposed to be preachy. Right. That stuff's getting louder and louder and we're getting softer and softer. Where is our voice, you know, as, as believers. And uh, we should, we shouldn't worry about being preachy. No, no, we're preaching truth. And it's like, the one thing I will say is I take a lesson from Jesus here. um, And and there's another instance where they're asking about the the temple tax, right? Mm -hmm. I think he sends Peter to go catch a fish and pull the coin out to pay the tax. Yeah. But here we see the same thing. He's not an insurrectionist, an insurrectionist where he's like trying to get them fired up. Mm-hmm. He's like saying, Pay, give Caesar his tax, you know, but also make sure you're true to God too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So he's not mm-hmm. there to incite a riot, um, which I think is a good thing for us to, to see. Like he's not backing down on his principles at, by any means, mm-hmm. but he's also not throwing logs on the fire, you know, to get something going. Right. But I, I think where it gets dangerous and where I'm seeing it today and corporate America is we've gone from the uh, acceptance to celebration. And the next on the list is participation. Right. You well, know, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be a participator. Well, you know? <laughs> not, not in that sense. But right. Where I, I, I've heard them basically saying that um, they want us to like find someone that's of that group. You know, either if it's gay, if it's black, if it's whatever, you know, they're going to identify as someone that is underrepresented Mm -hmm. and that we're supposed to go and like sponsor them and be their advocate and go tell our boss, hey, this guy's doing a great job. You know, he really should get some recognition. And like, I need to get involved to help them, you know, get promoted. And it's like, why? Who's doing that for me? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm not being promoted with anyone. Yeah. But, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like to Marshall's point, you know, like where if you're going to celebrate diversity, then it should be across the board. Yeah. You know, like, and let's, let's have Christian Pride Day, you know, like, right. hey, <laughs> Christian employees come out. We're going to worship the Lord in the auditorium today. Yeah. Is that ever going to happen? No. Nope. You know, and if you want to do that with all religions, then great. It, to me, it's either all or none. Yeah. You know, but when you specifically mm-hmm. identify one or two groups of people and say, these are the ones we need to celebrate and acknowledge and recognize. And uh, that's just wrong. Yeah. And I can love you. I can, you know, I can love whoever that is and not agree with the way they're living and not agree with what they're doing. So it's not that we, 
hate the pe person. And we've said it before on here. We've said it in our small groups and everything. Our battle is not with the person. No. They were made in God's image too. Our sin. battle is spiritually. Right. Our battle is with the is with the evil. Yep. Well, yep. And like mm -hmm. we hear on mercy culture, it's the spirit of offense. Yeah. Right? They're trying to get everyone offended by something. So it's like if they can tell you know the LGBTQ group <laughs> to be offended, you know, but you're being persecuted, and then that's gonna offend the other side that's not gay. Right. So now you're you're polarizing both sides, right? Like just right. like the black people, you know, like let's polarize them and say that they're being persecuted, and then that's gonna make you know, anyone that's not black feel offended as well. You know, it's like they're they're trying to get both sides offended and polarized. And for what purpose? Right? We can see what's going to happen here. You know, especially if that starts to pour into religion, you know, like where they're going to start targeting any religion that doesn't comply with our prideful stance. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's like, yep. If you have pride in the name of your organization, I know where you fall with God. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, <laughs> so, well, here's the here's the bottom line: is no matter who you are, black, white, gay, straight, whatever, I love you, but I may not agree with the way you live your life. I'm praying for you. You know, that's the stance that I would take. And God has really brought me a long ways from that, especially in some of those, you know what I mean? <laughs> as far as like, hey, you know, you're cool, whatever. As a person, I'm not going to come up to you and tell you I'm happy for you, for your boyfriend or, you know what I mean? If you're another dude, I'm not, I'm happy mm -hmm. for you guys. No, I'm not happy for you guys. But I pray. I pray for you. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of this book right here, right? I don't have to t make my own morals. I don't have to take my morals from some social group. My morals come from this book. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, this teaches me what's right and what's wrong. And if you ask me the, why I feel the way I feel about something, I can point you to a verse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. not just, well, this is my opinion, you know, or, oh, well, I, I have a, an uncle who's a Christian. So I just kind of or, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I get my values and my morals and my ethics from God. Yep. And it's like, mm -hmm. that way I don't have to come up with any kind of argument. Yep. yep. For sure. Boy, that was a rabbit trail, wasn't it? Hey. <laughs> we got Romans <laughs> in America good, right now, so to speak. It was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a good way to look at, you know, how Jesus dealt with the Romans and yeah. that kind of a, a question. Like if someone were to come up to us and say, well, what do you think about, you know, the gay society or the black society? We're not there to, to, to throw gas on that fire and right. cause a riot. You know, it's like, hey, let them be gay or whatever. You know, it's just God's word says it, it's it's a sin. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. All right, so finishing out that little section, uh, unless you had something else there, Marshall. No, go for it. So they they were not able to. He answered them in such a good way. Jesus did that. Uh, they're not able to seize on anything that he said, and uh, in the presence of the people, and so they stayed silent. So now, moving into verse twenty-seven, some of the Sadducees. Now, they believed. The Sadducees believed that there was no such thing as resurrection. There was a whole bunch of other different beliefs that I can't remember, but because uh, they 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 didn't believe in the resurrection. What else was it? Um, there was something else because he goes he gets into it. 
The Sadducees rejected the oral traditions that the Pharisees too stringently obeyed. Um, instead, they, they based their teaching only on the first five books of the Old Testament. They also denied that there could be a resurrection. Okay. So I guess they were stuck on the Torah, essentially. The books of Moses, what's that? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then they stopped. Yeah. So that was their scripture. So we're we're seeing in verse twenty seven here they're going to come to they're going to come to Jesus and they say to him and they're questioning him saying uh, Moses wrote for us a law if a man's brother dies leaving him a wife and no children his brother should marry the wife and raise the children for his brother now there are seven brothers and the first one uh, took a wife and died childless the second and the third and uh, whatever finally the woman died so uh, in this life. I'm in verse 33, Marshall. Um, after the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had married her. So they're asking a really worldly question on a topic that is not widely understood. Of course, at this time, uh, we yeah. still don't understand it. We, we don't understand. Our minds cannot grasp <laughs> what heaven is truly like. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, he says the sons of this world and the present age marry uh, the women are given in marriage, uh, but those who are considered worthy to gain that other world and that f- and that future age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So he's telling them he, it doesn't matter how many times somebody here on this earth is married, um, there is no marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. There doesn't have to be marriage in heaven because the idea, and we're going to go, maybe this was a commentary that I was reading or something, but the idea of it was that the reason that there's, you're going to be able to recognize your loved ones in heaven, but you don't need to be married because marriage was a set up as a way to procreate. And if you're immortal, (laughs) which you will be, you don't, there's no reason to be married. You just all live happily together for all of eternity, immortal. <laughs> one big family, one big happy family. That's exactly what it's going to be like. And that's what he's trying to get them to uh, to understand. Yeah. 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 And he talks about, you know, your only intimacy is going to be between you and God. Yep. And it's like, obviously, yeah. we're not going to have that sexual drive anymore or the attraction to the opposite sex in the same way we see it as humans. Right. It's like more like a, a fleshly instinct, I guess, you know, like yep, a, I think a so. lust, you know, like where you see an attractive woman or a woman sees an attractive man and there's that attraction, for lack of a better word, right? Sure. But we're not going to be attracted to each other up there. You know, it's all that stuff will go away. There's no more marriage. There's no more boyfriend, girlfriend. Yep. There's no more, I think, Susie down the street's cute. You know, like I'm going to polish up my Mustang and drive by blasting my music. Oh, man. I really like Susie. (laughs) I know. Me too. Uh It's like we're going to be attracted to God. And and I think it's kind of weird, you know, like I struggled a lot with being the bride of Christ. Sure. You know, like I don't want to be no man's bride. (laughs) But there's no more sex. It's like we're going to be attracted to Jesus because like he's God. You know, yep, it's gonna yep. be a love. It's just like the love we have for yeah, Christ so, and, the, and the love that Christ has for us. That's what's gonna be. It's just that that genuine, pure love in the in the purest form it could possibly be in. 
I think of like my love for my mother, you know, like she's a female, but I absolutely do not view her in the same way I view my wife, you know, (laughs) or my grandma, you know, like I have a ton of love for the lady and, you know, like you love her for who she is, but there's nothing else going on there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So Jesus is explaining this idea of heaven to these Sadducees, and he says that in verse 36 that they cannot die again because they are immortal like the angels, which the Amplified breaks it down even further, and they were equal to angel-like, and they are children of God being participants in the resurrection. But as for the fact that the dead are raised from death, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush when he calls the Lord the God of Abraham— the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is the God of the living. Or, you know, okay, so verse 38 goes on to say he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So these forefathers will be among the resurrected, for all live in definite relationship to him. So he's pointing out that their belief system and that there is no resurrection is flawed. Right. From one of the books they subscribe to. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I think that's good. You know, and I guess that's the key word there. Um, when he calls the Lord, the God, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Um, and he says he's not the God of the dead, but and the living. So it's it's the wording there. Like he's trying to redirect them back to it's not. He was the God of Moses. He was the God. Of right. Jacob. He is the God. Yeah. He is the God of. Right. Okay, so some of the scribes replied, Teacher, you have spoken well, so that there is no room for blame. And they did not dare to question further about anything because of the wisdom he displayed in his answers. So he must have been, mm-hmm. okay, good enough. Yeah. I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Well, I mean, it's just like us. Like if you profess to be uh, a bone doctor and like, or I don't know, maybe a lawyer is better. Like I remember there was like a court show I used to watch where he quoted the law back to the the judge. And it's like, I think that's basic Rini, you know, like in this law class and uh, just shut her up, you know, cause it's like, you're quoting back what you profess to be an expert in and saying like, how did you miss that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's hitting them back with their own profession or their own wisdom and saying, you guys miss that verse, which it's pretty critical. I mean, that's when Moses is being ordained or, or called out by God. So it's like obviously one that they probably memorized. Yeah. And that's the guy they looked up to. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they looked up to Moses. As, they had nothing left to say yeah. after that. Yeah. And he, and he basically answered. It's, it's pretty awesome to see how Jesus answers a question in uh, shortly but it has so much more meaning to it. Like as he's answering, it's just like, okay, you remember Abraham and uh, he, he answers. There's there's a whole lot more to it that we don't have really time to cover um, in just that statement. But it's so short. But yet these guys listening to it know so much because they're so learned into in the Old Testament. And what we know today is the Old Testament. Uh, and then he hits them with the, the question to call them out. But um what I noted there is it, he's asking them about a book of Psalms, which, um, you know, the Sadducees didn't subscribe to. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of worth mentioning, you know, like if they didn't read the book of Psalms, I would think that they all kind of knew what was in there though. You know, like if they, 
just like Christians and like we know the different denominations of Christianity and like what Baptists believe and what Pentecostals believe and Se- Seventh Day Adventists believe. You know, it's like right, especially if they're you know the big guys in town that they would know what the scriptures say, but hmm. I could be wrong. But they knew it existed, though. Yeah. Well, I would think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, they know who David was, and they recognize David. I don't know. I, I really, I just really don't know a whole lot about the Sadducees. You know, yeah. that was always a question. You always hear a lot more about the Pharisees than you do the Sadducees, but, or at least I did. You know. So, verse forty-one. He says to them, how is it that these people say that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord, the Father said to my Lord, keep that in mind, my Lord, the Son, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So David here, Marshall, you sleeping? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm reading on. I'm reading. I'm reading. uh past what y'all are talking about (laughs) (laughs) oh okay okay Uh, so david i just had to holler at you because he had your head down you know (laughs) no no, i'm wide awake i'm just reading away (laughs) (laughs) we know you've gotten tired on here before i mean it is past your bedtime i have yeah you know it's getting close it's 8 19 down here so uh (laughs) It's getting late for this old man. (laughs) (laughs) So so Jesus is pointing out that David is calling uh, the Messiah, Christ, Jesus, uh, his his Lord. But then, so how can he be his son, the son of David? That's the fleshly side of, that's the humanity side of who who Jesus is. And he comes from the lineage of David. Right is my yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right, well, and he's he's talking to like in the the way that the father is over the son, right? Like the father wouldn't call the son lord. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the father is an elder. He's higher up in hierarchy, so the son would look at the father and call him lord. You know, mm-hmm. like he's higher than the son. Yeah, so he's saying like, well, how did David, the king, look looking down at his descendants, call him lord? Right. Okay. Okay. That's a that's a better explanation than what I could come up with. What you got? Let me. So I'll, again, my my famous snippets. So I call them. It says the Pharisees and Sadducees had asked their questions. Then Jesus turned the tables and asked them a question that went right to the heart of the matter. What they thought about, what they thought about the Messiah's identity. The Pharisees knew that the Messiah would be a descendant of David but they did not understand that he would be more than a human descendant. He was God in the flesh. Jesus quoted from Psalm 110.1 to show that David knew that the Messiah would be both human and divine. The Pharisees expected only a human ruler to restore Israel's greatness as in the days of David and Solomon. Mm -hmm. I do like that. Man, I like them little snippets, dude. (laughs) You know, it's like like I said... (laughs) It just it like for a guy like myself who has a hard time understanding things, especially scripture, uh, from time to time, uh, it really breaks it down and it makes it easier for me to understand it and just kind of puts it in layman's terms. Yeah. So you know, and that uh, 
in that, you know, God, you know, the more you get into it, the more God opens your eyes to it and helps you understand it. It's just like reading through this for studying for uh, tonight's podcast is it's just like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. I don't know that I can. It's like, but it's funny because when you read through, it's like, oh, dang, I get what you're saying. But can I put that into words to teach it, you know, or to share it? It's like most of the time, my thoughts don't come out of my mouth the right way. <laughs> Same way. So anyway, let's let's finish up. Uh, let's finish up chapter twenty here. So imagine this, if you will, Jesus turning around. So after he's had this whole interaction with all these these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and all that, and he turns around, and he's like, "Beware of the scribes! Beware of these guys!" And he's turning around. You can imagine him just turning around and pointing at everybody that has asked him a question. He says, "Beware of these people." who like to walk around in long robes, displaying their prominence. Because he knows these guys all came in to trap him. Maybe not the way it reads, maybe not the Sadducees. Maybe they were just genuinely um, curious. But definitely the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says uh, they they walk around in their uh, long robes. They love respectful greetings. They actually required respectful greetings. Um. And they they required they were like the bullies in the lunchroom that would walk up to a kid if they were sitting in your spot, get out of my spot in the synagogues and the places of honor at the banquets. They always wanted to be at the at this head of the table because they Mm -hmm. they thought so highly of themselves. And uh, these men who confiscate and devour widows houses and for the pretense to appear devout. So that's what he made sure to tell the crowd is watch out for these guys. They appear to be good people in quotations, uh, but they're not. They offer long prayers. These men will receive the greater sentence of condemnation. They were a very showy bunch. Don't be like these guys. Yeah, exactly. Well, you think it's just going to tick Jesus off. I mean, these are the guys that are supposed to be representing him to the people. Yeah. Right. It's like. And here he goes, like just humbling them because they're prideful, you know, like they're proud of who they are and that they get the best seat in the house and, you know, people cater to them. And uh, what do you say? They devour widows' houses, um, long prayers in the streets. You know, everyone thinks that, oh, there's the holy guys, there's the scribes. Yeah. Oh, man, they're, they're so holy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's telling them, no, dude, these guys are, you know, the, what would a John the Baptist call them? A brood of vipers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, not nice words for the holiest men in the town. Well, you know, it's kind of sad it's because like, it's just like we've talked, Marshall. Go ahead. It's it, it's kind of sad, you know. People see people like that who act like they're holier than thou, Bible thumpers, you know, so so to speak, and they assume that everybody else that's a Christian is that way, and so it's just it just really gives Christianity a, a really bad name. Yep, it does. You know, we, we talked about that before where um, like unless you go to a really amazing church that does a good job of discipling followers that come in like newbies, mm-hmm. it's like I almost would never recommend a new believer to even go to church. It's like they're not <laughs> teaching how to follow Jesus. They're teaching religion. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like religion's going to let you down. And, and here's a classic mm-hmm. example of that. You know, these were the yeah. religious leaders. And they were trying to yoke the, the Hebrews with these religion, religious traditions. 
and the people couldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and these guys felt pompous and proud that they could do it. But like, what, what did Jesus come to do? He came flipping tables and whipping guys in the back in the, the temple. Like, get out of here. Like, this is not oh, yeah. what this Heck was yeah. to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. So. Yeah. We're still going. But I think it's. Hi, Evan. Hi, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you say hi. Hey! <laughs> That's another one of our friends' as kids. <laughs> gotcha. Oh. Yeah. oh, yeah. So you're right. Kind of threw me off a little bit there. That's <laughs> all right. We'll edit that out, right? Yeah, we're we're used to we're used to those we're used to kid interruptions. <laughs> it, Not me. It, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, dude, I think that's what we need to be doing. You know, just like Jesus was teaching these people. And like you said, uh, verse 45, and with all the people listening, he said to his disciples, you know, beware of the scribes. You know what I mean? So it's like even the people he was teaching, you know, like, and he said it loud enough for everyone to hear, like, stay away from these guys, you know, stay away from religion. Yeah. Like what (laughs) they've turned my desire to have a relationship with you into has become a religious tradition, you know, yeah. legalism and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't want that for you. Yeah. He, he pretty much, he pretty much turns to the crowd and he's like, okay, everybody attention, <laughs> right? attention. <laughs> all right, hey, look over here. See these guys standing right here. Don't, don't be like them. Okay. That's not what it's all about. Right. <laughs> and that's what we should be doing too. You know, like when people think that you just show up on Sunday, listen to a sermon and then now you're a Christian, go up and say a prayer and that's it. You're saved. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live life to the full, not just get my guilt checked on Sunday and feel like, all right, that was good enough. I'll drop a 20 in the plate and I'm good to go. You know? Well, I mean, Marshall, you hear about that too, all the time is people that, you know, you ask them, say, Hey, you know, you guys, you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, you know, I, I go to church every Sunday. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend to be a pretty good guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. no, I asked if you believed in Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's more than, yeah. It's like I said, do you follow Jesus? It's more than believing because even the demons believe in Jesus, right? They, they know he's real. They know he's legit. So yeah. to say, Oh yeah. Why? Well, I, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I know, but, but have you accepted him as your Lord and savior? Right. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper there. What does he say? Those that love me will, f- will follow my commands. Yes. You know? So it's like, we made the analogy before. If someone runs to you and says, there's a tornado coming, dude, and you can't see it. And you just stand there. Oh, okay. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, does it mean that it doesn't exist or, right. you know, or how, how am I saying that? Well, it's like, if you believe him, you're going to go run and take shelter, right? right? Like you're like, there's doom coming. Like the tornado it's right behind. It's coming down the street right now. Like you're going to start running if you believe him. Yeah. Right. But if you're just like, Oh, okay. I believe you, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On. You know, it's like you can profess with, you can confess with your mouth, but unless there's action, unless you do something with it, it's like if they tell you, dude, this guy's coming back from the clouds and he's going to like send you to hell for eternity if you don't follow him. You know, come to think of it, that that tornado uh, analogy is really, uh, really a good biblical analogy. It's like, OK, so somebody comes up to you, tells you there's a tornado coming, but you don't see it. But you have faith that that, that it exists and that it is coming. But if you don't do anything about it, 
death is coming for you. Right. You're going to die. But if you believe them and you do take proactive steps to protect yourself, believe in Jesus, you do, uh, take scripture to heart and live out a life worthy, uh, a godly life worthy of God's glory, then you will live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a perfect analogy. It really is. Well, look at Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot, right? Like mm-hmm. Lot was trying to wake up his whole family. Like, we got to go. And it's like, everyone was like, eh. His daughters had husbands to be living with him, with his wife. So he had this huge family of people. He's like, we got to go, dude. Like, these yeah. angels came. God's going to destroy this town. No one wanted to listen to him. Mm-hmm. He finally, like, dragged him out of the house. And it's like, yeah. boom, it explodes. It's like, we're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, like we have to warn people that this is coming. Your doom is imminent. And- yeah. Oh, and something I wanted to say earlier was when we were talking about the doom being in- imminent and the and the world, you know, uh, crumbling this way it is. You know, getting eviler and eviler. And I was going to make the comment earlier, but uh, that kind of gets you a little excited because the worse it yeah. gets, the more closer we get to Jesus coming back. And we've <laughs> talked about that before, Marshall. <laughs> Is it, yeah. you, know, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're getting closer. That's, it's a okay with me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Not that I want to see people perish or by any means, but that's our job is to sow them seeds. I'd rather be raptured than killed. You know, I like, would much rather be raptured than die. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have to experience death and I just get like this one day where you're shoot, you know, we go up. Sweet. I'm yeah. good with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would love to, see, I would love to see it. We'll love to see it. Yeah. Cause we'll see it either way. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, I would like to, I, I would much rather it. have it happen while I was just driving or something. Well, we were sitting on the couch <laughs> watching TV or whatever, and so all of a sudden, out the you know, out, just we disappear, and here we are. I was like, yeah, I was watching TV. You know, yep. I think it's wow. weird that every generation almost seems to think that they're the last generation. You notice that? Like, yeah. You look back mm-hmm. at history and like the whole "the end is near" signs. Like every generation thinks they're the last generation. I wonder why that is. Oh. Like the world can't get any worse than it is right now, <laughs> so, and it yeah. just keeps getting worse. <laughs> I say we're closer now than it's ever been based on what you see going on around the world. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, all right. That is it for Luke chapter 20. And so, Christian, thanks for doing this with us tonight, hey, buddy. Thanks for suffering my presence yeah. and getting me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to finally meet you, Marshall. At least I get to put a face yeah. to the name. I know. it. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. It's nice meeting you. Yeah. And- and it was fun. I, I know I, I really enjoyed this. I think we should do this more often. Hey, after after Luke, we probably will. Yeah. After Luke, Give we probably up. will start doing this a little bit more often. So, but and we got some other guests that we're gonna be having on here. Uh, I'll talk to you more about that here in a little bit, Marshall. But uh, in the meantime, yeah. guys, hey, thanks for listening to Undaunted Pursuit podcast. We're glad you joined us. And uh, again, hey, it's been a busy summer. We've been kind of, you know, hit or miss on the podcasts and uh, whatever. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, you know, guys, make sure you go and I'm going to let you do the whole outro thing there, Marshall, with the social medias and whatnot. Hey, uh, go on to Apple Podcast. Give us good rating review and uh, find us on Spotify. Give us good rating there as well. That really helps us boost things up. As far as music goes this week, hey, I've been off 
we've been out of this thing for a little bit, so I really got to get on and find some music. But hey, you know, go check them out in the description and find all their links there. Whoever we decide to put on there, we're showcasing artists uh, whenever we drop a new episode. So check them out and give them a good follow. You guys are supportive here. Show them some support. Uh, what else am I missing, Marshall? Not just make sure, guys, uh-huh. you go to all of our social media pages, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, all the fun socials. Go out there, follow us, like us, uh, YouTube. I uh, don't have any videos up there, but we do have um, audio. So go on there, like, subscribe, follow our, all of our uh, audio, video stuff on YouTube. And if like you guys, like you always say, if you ever have any questions, shoot us a message on Facebook um, or shoot us an email at mail dot at what is it aaron no 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 it's 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 mail it's mail at undauntedpursuit.com so yeah shoot us an email there uh yeah and hey any of the social medias i think you hit that with the messaging uh guys hey prayer requests praise reports and now you guys did I'm going to rebuke you guys here a little bit. You guys did a terrible job uh, when I put out the praise reports on Facebook because nobody commented on that. So, hey, if you got a praise report, get on that. And, of course, share this episode uh, with somebody this week. And whatever praise reports you guys put, we'll share them. We'll share them right here on the podcast. So I think that's about it, Marshall, huh? I think that's it. All right. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time on Dawn and Pursuit Podcast. Bye. Adios. See you later. There you go. All right. Okay.